to Supergirl Radio Rebirth, your source for the DC Comics series called Supergirl Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl number 13, which was written by Steve Orlando, with art penciled by Robson Rocha, and inked by Daniel Enrique, and colored by Michael Antia. So I'm trying to get all of those names correctly because uh, I don't know if I pronounced them right, but I gave it my best shot. I think you did better than I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. Well, the description for this issue reads, quote, Emerald Eradication Finale. It's the final showdown between Supergirl and Emerald Empress. Supergirl's life has been torn asunder, and she's not going to let Emerald Empress get away with it. But is it too late to repair the damage and remain the hero she's built herself to be? Unquote. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Um, so, Morgan, uh, this issue was uh, the big conclusion of the situation between Supergirl and Emerald Empress. The conclusion, we think, because she kind of disappears uh, by dun, the end dun, of dun. this <laughs> issue. So, who knows? We don't know where she is. Maybe she could come back. Um, but what did you think about what went down between Supergirl and Emerald Empress? Uh, yeah, this was a really an action-packed issue, especially considering that this one was um, just a regular length issue. The last one was like the huge annual, and yet I felt like so much stuff happened in this one. Mm. That moment when she di- she realizes that Emerald Empress's powers. I, I don't want to get. I guess don't want to get too far ahead. But when she realizes that Emerald Empress's powers come from the eyeball, and she's like, "Well, I got to take out that eyeball," and then she just rips it apart with her hands. Yeah, I wasn't okay with that. <laughs> I was like, ah! and then just covered my eyes with my hand. I was like, "Oh my god, save me!" Uh, I'm not good with eye stuff. Um, so that was hard for me <laughs> yeah it was pretty gruesome i mean it was just like the innards of the eye were just like yeah i did not need off. to see the, the innards of emerald empress's giant eyeball yeah it, it was pretty gruesome but I, I thought it was a great image though i mean supergirl like it, it doesn't look like she's struggling with it much she just rips it in half it's it's kind of awesome but it's also kind of gruesome um, but yeah, that was really smart of Supergirl to figure that out. And uh, it, it causes Emerald Empress to disappear. And Supergirl thinks that maybe she's gone back to her own time sometime in the future. But we don't have uh, a, a definite answer to that uh, since you are an expert in time travel. I am. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, what, what do you think that Supergirl speculation is correct? Do you think she just went back to uh, the future in her own time? I think probably. Um, uh, I, I'm consulting my time travel books. And uh, <laughs> ho- hold on a second. Just flipping a page, flipping a page. Uh, no, I think that uh, also I'm very bad with time travel um, on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which is a show about time travel. I, I'm always, I always just defer to Amy, who is possibly the only one on our uh, podcast about a show about time travel who understands time travel. <laughs> uh, makes for good podcasting definitely uh, very very well informed uh but i yeah I, I don't think that she's dead i think that um the way that they played everything up with 
the crowd thinking that Supergirl had killed her by ripping that. I mean, she definitely killed that eyeball. Let's be honest. Yeah, that that eyeball is. Hopefully, that eyeball didn't have like thoughts and feelings and like a (laughs) college plan or something because i think r.i.p that eyeball but uh but i don't think that i think that they played up the crowd thinking that she killed the emerald empress too much for it to be like she actually did kill her so i think that the only option otherwise would be that she is like going into the future or going back to her time period, at least. Well, we can't uh, cry too much for the eyeball because it's, it, the comic <laughs> says that the eye is more than 20,000 years older than anything on Earth. So it had a good run. So the, so the eyeball probably did, like, at least take some, like, some college extension classes. <laughs> maybe, like, a, maybe a nice photography class. <laughs> L- little watercolor paint. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that there was uh, retirement in there somewhere uh, <laughs> after 20,000 years. Uh, some vacation time was put in there. So I'm not really too worried about the eye. The eye had uh, a good, good long a life. life. <laughs> a full life. Um, and speaking of which, I thought was uh, something that sort of shocked me because I didn't think about it this way, but uh, Emerald Empress... Uh, mentions that her vision of her dead father happens centuries from this point in time. So I guess Supergirl can live for centuries. Yeah, that was also something that stood out to me a little bit when she says that. I was like, wait, what? So, yeah, that's always a question, though, like how long the super people live. It's either that Supergirl lives for centuries and centuries or supergirl travels to that time period centuries from now i guess you could read that two ways i initially read it as oh well i guess they're going with the idea that kryptonians can be immortal on earth because of their powers i mean i've I've seen that in in different stories uh i think you know kingdom come comes to mind where superman lives outlives lois lane and he and wonder woman are together and all that kind of stuff um, so that can be the case, but it all, I guess it could also be the case that she time travels centuries from that point, and that's how she ends up with Emerald Empress and her father. So I don't know if that's the case, but I, I thought that that was a, a very interesting thing to mention. And speaking of uh, some characters, uh, R.I.P. Eyeball, uh, not making it out of this issue, it seemed like Indigo might uh, have suffered a, a, a terrible fate. What did you think about Indigo um, and what Zorel uh, uh, shockingly does in, in this issue? I was uh, a little upset because, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, affection for Indigo, her hand acting from the show. <laughs> but I was uh, I was surprised that Indigo died. Now, I don't can you can you kill a robot? I can't I feel like can't you just put her back together? We saw her uh, like in the last comic, like literally with her like her chest open with like a bunch of wires just sticking out. I feel like can't they just kind of weld her back together? Yeah, I in my notes I wrote the death of Indigo question mark. Yeah, question mark. It's like can't they just get somebody to like can't they just take her to the Apple Genius Bar and <laughs> <laughs> and figure that out? Somebody could fix her up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She she got ripped up. Pretty good. It was almost like the the issue had this theme of uh, Kryptonians ripping things in half. Yeah. Uh, Supergirl does it with the eyes. Zorel does it with Indigo. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I I don't guess she's 
permanently dead, but it was devastating enough that, you know, Supergirl holds her in her arms and she's like, what have you done? So there's, there's something to be said about how even if Indigo could come back, Supergirl took it seriously. And it was uh, something that Zorel felt like he needed to do in order to protect his daughter. So they took it seriously, even if Indigo could be like, eh, whatever, I'll, I'll just get somebody to fix me. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, and so I and I don't know if the character that's introduced later on in this issue, which I'm very excited about, and we'll have to talk about him, mm-hmm. uh, but... Maybe he could bring Indigo back. I don't know. Uh, but it did seem to imply that Indigo had died, but I think that there there is a way to bring her back. Um, did What did you think about Zor-El in this, in this issue? Because he he saves Kara, but then there's also some mysterious stuff going on with him. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of felt like Zorel just really doesn't listen to anyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he saves Kara, which is good. I mean, you want to save your daughter, but maybe he didn't have to like rip Indigo all like completely apart. That seemed rough. Like he could have just like conked her on the head a little bit or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with that. I feel like they're using the Zorel character and like um, Kara's love for her father even though he is uh going through a phase right now um to sort of drive a wedge between her and the citizens of the city um and because everybody is around when they're it having this fight so first they see Kara a, a supergirl rip apart a giant eyeball which is not going to be good for your nightmares mm-hmm. and then <laughs> and then they see her father like rip apart indigo so i feel like the city has they're using that character right now as sort of a tool of having the city kind of turn against supergirl yeah and it was really sad f- for me to to see supergirl have to sort of justify herself to the people she says i did not mean to deceive you i did not want the people of the city to worry he was a broken man talking about zorel i only wanted to help him as i would help any of you and i think that that little bit says so much about Supergirl's character. We see that in so many variations that she is a character who's willing to help someone who might not be the best of uh, people, but she sees the good in them and she wants to rehabilitate them or try to get them on the right path. She's a character who's going to do that. Even if other people have given up on them, she's going to try to help them. And I I thought that that was a great way to see that part of her character in this issue. And there there were a lot of instances where we got to see variations on what people thought about Supergirl and her relationship with her father. Some people agreed with Indigo and were upset that Supergirl protected who they considered uh, to be a killer because they had seen what he had done with the cyborg Kryptonians. And some people think that Supergirl did the right thing because she was helping her father. So it, it was neat to get to see some of that perspective from the, the, the citizens of National City and, and how Supergirl was trying to talk to them and try to justify herself in a way. It was kind of tough to read sometimes because I think Supergirl really cares about the city, but she's, she's not able to control this this uh, narrative, if you will, that's come out. And I, she also said something that I thought was really impactful. She says, 
Supergirl says, compassion means not picking and choosing who you care about, even if you fear them. And I thought that that was a great statement that I agreed with, uh, that compassion means that you're going to care about somebody no matter what. Um, So I I thought that that was a great and Supergirl thing of her to say. So uh, I think it's using Zor-El to, um, I, I think in a way, Steve Orlando is using Zorel to show people who Supergirl is, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Her best Supergirl qualities are coming out because of this situation with Zorel. So I've I've really been liking that. And I thought the stuff at the end with Zorel was really fascinating um, because I had to do some looking up about some things. And uh, actually, before we get there, because this is tied into another thing. That made me really, really happy in this issue. Director Bones showed up and made <laughs> an appearance. I don't know it, how, how well everyone's memory is, but Rebecca Johnson has been talking about Director Bones on Supergirl Radio for a very, very long time. I have been wanting this character to show up on the Supergirl TV series since season one. Because he's a weirdo character, his face is a skull, and he's <laughs> mysterious, and he's kind of awesome. So I felt like this was like someone trying to satisfy me. Even if the show won't put him on, <laughs> he showed up in this comic. What if in like the next panel he ju- he snapped? I would flip out. <laughs> like he it would, snapped. It his would fingers. be. It would be all of my and spoke Kryptonian. <laughs> <laughs> it would be all of all of the things that I want uh, out of a Supergirl story. It would show up. Um, I have been wanting him to show up and he finally did. It might not be on the show, but he showed up in this comic. And I, when I, when I, well, I don't, I didn't turn the page cause I read it on my iPad, but when I flipped that page over and it, there, there he was director bones smoking. I was <laughs> like, I, I kind of screamed. I'm not going to lie. I got really excited about this. So um, I'm curious about your thoughts, Morgan, about director bones. Cause I've seen director bones in other things. But I'm curious, what is your take on him? So I knew immediately how excited you were going to be. So that impacted my excitement level. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> Director Bones. Um, I think Director Bones seems like a ridiculous character. And therefore, I love him so much. Uh, <laughs> if it could be all Director Bones, just doing weird things that you shouldn't see a, a skull man do. That would be like the comic for me, I think. Uh, just him smoking. Like, how does that... W- the smoke is literally just like leaking out of every part of his skull face. <laughs> like, he doesn't have lungs. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I want to see Director Bones, like, drink a smoothie and just have the smoothie just like all over his suit. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about that. How does he eat and or drink? Because if you look at the you look at the panel with Director Bones, which I have done very hard for a long time because as you've been talking <laughs> about it, I've had it open. You can see that the smoke is like leaking out of the bottom of his jaw. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It just makes me happy. And what I love about it is he's wearing a tie. He's very put together. The tie has some stars on it, so he's got a little bit of whimsy. Well, and maybe he's a little bit patriotic. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's, you know, a reflection of the American flag. I don't know. So is I've got I've got several 
Bones related questions. Um, first of all, is Director Bones entirely Bones or is it just his face that is a skull? I will have to get back to you on that because I, I have to remember. Because in this in this panel, which I am printing out and putting on my wall, you can you can see his hand, but it looks like he's wearing a glove of some kind, either a glove or like a bandage. I don't, it looks like a glove, I think. I want to say that at some point in his history, he was a regular human person. And then he just sort of lost all his skin somewhere. He just, he became a skull person. (laughs) Um, It's been so long since uh, we we talked about the DEO uh, comic he was in. That's true. It's been a while. Um, So I'm I'm trying to now remember. (laughs) I just just love him as his Director Bones skull face. Was he Mr. Bones at some point? So I looked up Director Bones. Uh, What what Google provided me was Mr. Bones, which is a less formal title. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, like, please, please, my father is Director Bones. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's, he's Director Bones because he's the director of the DEO, but he would be Mr. Bones um, if he was not working for the DEO. Oh, wait. Okay. So I am on dc.wikia.com, which says that despite appearances, he is not a walking skeleton. Instead, he has translucent skin and flesh. So really, we are just seeing into him, which is creepier actually i would have preferred the bones so so he, he so he could probably drink and eat but then you're gonna have to like watch it digest in him yes you would you would you would have to watch it yeah um yeah so i want to say that there was some sort of tragedy i'm sure that that happened with this so bones's mother again dc.wikia.com thanks a lot uh bones's mother uh oh advertisement hold on scrolling down bones's mother's exposure to uh some sort of drugs during pregnancy gave him three superhuman powers two of which are extremely inconvenient to his daily life firstly his skin which it has been indicated would otherwise be black flesh and organs are all transparent giving him the appearance of a denuded skeleton thus his name he also cyanide sweat does not seem like a superpower uh his skin constantly exudes a cyanide based compound in effect a toxic sweat which is almost invariably lethal to anyone who touches him that's that's right wait as a corollary he is immune to cyanide poisoning (laughs) which is a pretty sweet power i guess <laughs> That's really convenient since uh, he has cyanide sweat. So much, there's so much more. Uh, he also has enhanced strength, stamina, but his weakness is is obviously the cyanide touch. Uh, he, he's going to kill a lot of people by accident. Uh, hugs with him are lethal, and also missing left leg. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some research into why he's missing a leg. I know. That adds more mystery to his character. Now, that makes more sense as to why his hand is covered. It does, because he doesn't want to accidentally, like, you know, somebody's handing him a report, he's killed another intern. <laughs> that actually makes a lot more sense now. They're like, we have to stop sending the interns to direct your boat. <laughs> <laughs> the liability at this company is <laughs> ridiculous. I am so glad you looked that up because I, I just love... I just love Director Bones because of his look. Like, he's one of the the most unique DC characters, I think, just because he looks really crazy. But he's kind of a good guy because he works for the DEO. But in this issue, 
he's a little menacing. It seems like he has some uh, more sinister motives than I would have anticipated for a director of the DEO because Cameron Chase has had to resign from her position because of all this these shenanigans with Emerald Empress um, because of, I guess all the damage that has gone uh, uh, gone on to all the buildings in National City and all the stuff with Supergirl, she's had to uh, step down from her position, which opens it up for Director Bones to step in. And um, I thought that that was great. And um, also, that's gr- that's good for Cameron Chase because she is now going off on a road trip with Lauren, ah. the hot Kryptonian <laughs> werewolf. And they're going to go investigate some corruption within the DEO. So I'm excited about that. I hope we get to see more of their little road trip and whatever they come across. Um, but Director Bones, uh, he he mentions. I did look this up. He did. There was a mention between Director Bones and his assistant. I'm guessing of a character named Mokari, and I didn't know who that was. So I looked him up just a little bit, and in DC Comics lore, that character is one of the new gods of Apocalypse, so it has some uh, connections to Darkseid, and he, uh, this Mokari character is the leader of what's called the Evil Factory, <laughs> which is an organization set up by Darkseid to rival Project Cadmus. So I'm very interested in the Evil Factory now. Uh, I would like to learn more about that. So uh, any anybody who has connections to the Evil Factory, I don't know, sounds like they might not be of the best intentions. Yeah, I, I just feel like their name is a little on the nose, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just not, just put it all out there, really. You might be giving away uh, your whole plot. <laughs> giving a little, away a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to be a secret evil, evil organization, maybe don't put evil in the name. Uh, so I don't know. Director Bones seems like he might be up to no good because of that connection to this Makari character. Um, but I just, I was over the moon. Director Bones showed up. This weirdo skeleton character finally showed up in something that I was reading. I was so excited. Um, so maybe this, maybe the show will be like, hey, we should connect more back to the source material and we should have Director Bones show up on the TV show. I let's make that happen. Let's start that petition. Yes, because <laughs> I think he should show. I mean, he's one of the big wigs of the DEO. He should show up. Anyway, so that's my uh, love of Director Bones. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully he will, he will. This hopefully this is not his only appearance in Rebirth. Hopefully he will show back up and we can learn more about him because there's so much to learn. I feel like we just we've just covered the basics of Director Bones. I feel like there is more to him. Um, and I also wanted to cover, and where is it in my notes? It was somewhere, I swear. Hmm. Mm. Okay, yes. So this issue kind of ended three times. Yeah, it did. It was like the what, like the Lord of the Rings movies. Yes, like the Return of the King. Yep, just like a bunch of fake outs. You think it's over, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you get up to leave, you pick up the, the rest of your popcorn, you're ready to go, you got your keys, you're walking out the door. Nope, no, we were nope, still going. Gandalf is nope. back. Don't <laughs> <No>. worry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this issue kind of made you think, like I would have been happy at the, the, the director bones reveal as the ending. Like, that would have been a great way to go oh, out yeah. on the issue. I would have been totally cool with that. But then it keeps going. Then it goes into this nice page with 
Kara talking about Eliza and Jeremiah and how they've had to give up their DEO positions for Kara and how Kara is doing her thing at Catco, even though Supergirl's hated in the city. And that would have been a great page to go out on. I would have been great with that. But then it kept going. And then it was like, there's an epilogue that we've got to get to. (laughs) And the epilogue had Zorel and this mysterious Mr. Oz character. What did you think about that? Yeah, I was really confused by the epilogue. Um, I think at the end of it, it says you you can find out more about Mr. Oz and like an action comics, I think some number 987. And I was like, I just feel like I didn't need this. It does, and also, does this final panel mean that Jorel is dead? Because I, I mean, I never, I never think that anyone is dead, uh, except the eyeball. R.I.P. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, are we supposed to? Are we? Is that the assumption that we're supposed to make? Because I was unclear about it, and I feel like if you're trying to do like a dun dun dun, you should at least, I should at least know whether or not he's supposed to be dead. <laughs> So that's a really good question because I also had that question because it seemed like there were two options to what this Mr. Oz character was going to do to Zorel. One of them was to turn him into a human, and the other one was to cause him to drown. So we don't know if if he's going with those two options, and if he is, which of the two options did he choose? I think he probably will make him human. I think that would drive more story if Zorel became a human and he tried to connect with Kara. Um, but then what if this Mr. Oz killed Zorel? That's a whole other thing. So I guess that that's kind of how I go, where I got confused because I didn't see it as him giving him two options like either you'll become human or you're dr- you'll drown. I thought he was saying you'll become human. And then you'll drown. Oh. Uh, See, that's why I was confused. I was like, oh, that's rough. I mean, that would make sense, though. Because he is in like a he's in like a liquid container because it says something. Your last tank had life support. This time they gave you a kill switch. So I kind of I mean, I kind of wondered about that. Hmm. Well, it's not very it's not very clear. It's not very clear. You make a good point. Um, the one thing that I think goes in the favor of he won't kill Zorel is that when I, I got curious about this Mr. Oz character because I didn't know who he was. And so I looked him up and I was shocked by what I was reading. Ooh. Uh, according to DCComics.com, Mr. Oz is really Jorel, Superman's <gasps> Kryptonian father who didn't actually die during the destruction of Krypton, <gasps> but found himself sent to Earth where he witnessed some of mankind's brutal tendencies firsthand. In response, under the guise of Mr. Oz, Jor-El slowly engineered a series of atrocities that have sparked violence, death, and destruction the world over in an attempt to prove to his son Kal-El that people are evil and unworthy of him. Unquote. From DCComics.com. I was like, what? What? <laughs> so I, I kind of, and, and I, maybe they have gone further in the storyline than, than the summary I've read. So I'm going to, I'm going to be outing myself here as a little lack of knowledge. Is Zorel Jorel's brother? They are brothers. Yes. I was going to say, or they relate it through marriage. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are brothers. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So then that's, uh, that's definitely super harsh. Don't drown your brother. Yes. 
Um, so I, I'm, that kind of points me to the fact he won't kill him. But I, I don't know. Maybe in the comics at this point in time, maybe they've gone f- past this evil Jor-El thing and maybe he's somehow redeemed or whatever. I don't know. But I don't like this. I don't like Jor-El being a bad guy, too. That makes Superman and Supergirl's fathers both evil. Yeah, I think that's too much. It's too much. That's steering too much into, like, the evil parent trope thing. I think there's, like, you you get one. You you don't get two. It's enough that Kara has to deal with this. I don't think Cal should have to deal with this as well. So, I don't know. It's it's a different take on Jor-El. I'm willing to go with it. But as of right now, I don't like it. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't care for it although it balanced it out with the director bones thing so i can't i can't hate this issue too much (laughs) i actually really like this issue so um i guess let's let's go to some overall thoughts what what did you think about um well actually we didn't talk talk about the art i think we should talk about the art really quickly are are there any panels that you really enjoyed out of this one any pages panels well i think you know which page i enjoyed the most oh my gosh uh, it's page i'm gonna give them exact page Page 21, just if you get to the comic, open up straight to page 21, Director Bones. That's all you need. Director Bones, smoking a cigarette, talking in the shadows, (laughs) not touching people with his cyanide sweat. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. I think that's the, it's the best page in the whole issue. There's a couple other little things that I thought were great. Like there's a a panel on page 10 with Supergirl heat visioning the eye. It sort of reminded me of the Harry Potter Priori Incantatum. Uh, just the way the the heat vision was bouncing off the animal, the eye powers and the colors. And I I really, really liked that. Um, I also thought there was a cool shot of Indigo on page 11 where she's throwing this uppercut at Supergirl and you actually get to see a little bit of her robotic hand. I was missing some of Indigo's roboticness in the annual, so I was glad to see some of that. But she also looked like she had a different costume in this issue. Maybe she changed in mid-battle, she changed. She was like, you know what? I'm coming in for my victory lap. I got to come correct. I got to look I got to look good. She lost the big belt. She did lose the big belt. What happened? Maybe she took off the belt. Maybe she's like, the belt is too much. (laughs) (laughs) I got to scale it back. This is gilding the lily a little bit. I got to, I got to pull it back a little. Yeah. So I I noticed that I was like, well, I know we sort of joked about the belt last time, but we heard her feelings and she was like, she listened to that episode and she was like, you guys are right. I feel, I feel bad now. I feel like we judged her too harshly over We're that. Sorry, belt. Indigo. <laughs> sorry for being so judgmental. Um, and I th- also thought there was a great sequence of panels at the bottom of page 13 where Supergirl's like pushing through the wind and, and the light that's happening around her and, and she's trying to grab hold of the eye. I thought that was a great little sequence of panels. So the art in this issue I thought was really good. It conveyed everything that it needed to show us uh, in terms of the action and the emotion and what was going on. And, I mean, the director Bones reveal, it's legendary. It will go back down in one of my favorite pages of comic book history. <laughs> so exciting. So good. So uh, the overall thoughts of this issue, what did you make of it? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? What are your thoughts? So I really liked this issue. I thought it was, um, it felt like a good end to this arc. And also, uh, I think I like, I kind of like where they left things off because I feel like with this uh, Supergirl book, we kind of got dropped in. It felt 
kind of like we got dropped in mid story and I never felt like I caught up. And with the way that they set up the end of this, um, this arc where Eliza and Jeremiah are going to work somewhere else or not DEO agents. And, and Kara is back to just using her like secret identity and Supergirl is kind of on the outs with national city. It does kind of feel like, um, they're resetting the table a little bit for the next uh, the next few issues, and I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, I think I, I'm very excited to see what happens in the next next issue, and and seeing especially which stories they choose to focus on. Are they going to do more Caro at Catco with Ben? So speaking of Catco, though, I did have a question about Catco because I cannot let go of this theory that Cat Grant <laughs> is not really Cat Grant. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Continue. I, re- I refuse to let it go. Uh, it doesn't make sense, but I I feel in my heart that it's correct. Uh, so I'm trying to find the panel, but it's basically it's the page where um, Ben helps Cat break into the system, and Cat says something like um, something about the the only sorceress that should have access to their devices is me. And there's like a little holdover after he, um, he fixes, he brings down the, the network and he goes like, did you say sorceress? And so a lot of me is continuing to question whether or not cat is really cat or whether cat is Selena. I think there's, there's some merit to that theory. I think that you could read it that way. Uh, I don't know if she was just saying sorceress just in that, you know, kind of colorful language. To be fair, she did not bash his head in with a hammer in the last (laughs) issue, like I suspected. We do have it confirmed. (laughs) She was just trying to break it into Kako. It could have taken a really dark turn. This could have been the issue (laughs) where he got got, uh, murdered by Kat and also the eye got ripped in half. I think it was good to scale that back to just one thing. (laughs) There were lots of things getting ripped in half, so I I would hate it if Ben suffered that same fate. Uh, but yeah, no, you could read it as her talking about herself as a sorceress, a literal sorceress, or maybe she's just like, I'm magical because I'm Cat Grant and I'm awesome. I don't know if that's what she meant, but it was questionable in the dialogue. And I mean, and Cat is very, is very angry at, um, at Supergirl now and is, is running all this very negative coverage about Supergirl. Is that because it's actually Selena? Uh, you know, it, there, there is there is something uh, to question about that. But I think uh, my favorite thing about Selena in this in this issue is that she, um, so like she's watching Magog get his butt whooped by Lauren, and she says, "Well, this fight is certainly going in a direction." Like that's what she <laughs> says, and she steals Magog's helmet and she leaves. She gets yeah, out of she there. Just pieces right out of there. She's like, I didn't sign up for werewolves, and she leaves. So I don't know if you know. Maybe she could be going in and out and and posing as Cat Grant while she's doing all of this other stuff. I don't know. I don't know what her magical capabilities uh, could consist of. So it's very possible. So we'll have to keep an eye on that about what who who Cat Grant really is in these issues, and can we trust her? I think it's something uh, that we should keep a, a lookout for. Um, one thing I also thought that was really uh, kind of stood out to me is that it seems like the people in National City know about the DEO. Yeah. When they see that, so the DEO gets destroyed a little bit because of Emerald Empress and Supergirl's fighting. And some one of the citizens in National City is like, holy, the DEO building. Like he's he's noticing that the DEO building is messed up. 
And I was like, I thought that they were like a super secret organization. I thought that they were secret. <laughs> uh, so apparently people in National City know about the DEO. Really kind of confused about that. Maybe I guess in the rebirth continuity, maybe it's a an organization that's that's out and about, and people know about it. Um, and the oh, the one thing that I also um, thought was uh, a difference uh, in the way that uh, Steve Orlando wrote uh, Kara's speech pattern is that in previous issues he would just use her. Uh, he would just have her using, uh, uh, I'm not saying this correctly. He would use her, uh, in her speech, she would be refraining from using contractions. So for example, on page 10, she says, if that's true, you would have come to me, Empress. We could have changed that a different way, unquote. And in the past, in previous issues, he probably would have had her say, if that is true, we could have changed. So I thought that that was really, I don't know if that was a mistake or if that was intentional. Maybe she was so angry she was breaking her speech pattern. I don't know. But I've been keeping an eye on that uh, about the way she speaks and the way she doesn't use contractions in her language. And that that really stuck out to me. I was like, hmm, that's really different. I don't know if that was uh, intentional or not. But uh, that was something that I've been keeping an eye out on. And also, just really quickly, uh, speaking of things we're watching, Eliza Danvers was uh, shown on page 15, still missing a right hand. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to investigate. So uh, page 15, you can definitely tell. Oh, yeah. Look at that. So we have a lot of things that we need to be keeping an eye out on and paying attention to. Uh, uh, Fake Cat Grant. Possibly. We're just never going to find out. <laughs> Eliza Danvers' right hand um, and Supergirl's speech pattern. So just uh, be looking out for those things. But I, I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, delivered on a lot of levels, a lot of personal levels for me. So uh, I really enjoyed this one. Might be one of my favorite issues of Rebirth, actually. Yeah, I think this one is one of my favorites as well. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl number 13. If you've already picked up this issue, make sure to give it a rating in Comixology or your DC Comics app. And if you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl number 13 is available in the DC Comics app, the Comixology app, as well as Comixology.com. Google Play, the Nook Store, Amazon, and at readdcentertainment.com. And if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And on the Instagram, trying to post some... uh, Uh, panels some favorite panels from these comics so if you want to look and see what we're talking about when you're listening to the episodes uh that should be up there uh you can listen to us on google play iHeartRadio, and spotify where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show we are also listed on dc's fan page where which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc dash fans We are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And you can find all of these links at supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. 
Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Yes, you can uh, find all the podcasts for all these DC TV shows um, through the DC TV Podcast Network. We've got a show for everybody. If you watch any of these shows, you can you can listen to a podcast. They're going to keep making these shows just so that that gets longer and longer for me. (laughs) I've come to a certain piece with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if you like any of those shows, definitely check out the podcast. Um, And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and Instagram at TheDerbyKid, that's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. Trying to get back in the habit of taking some pictures, uh, so it's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, you can also watch some videos of mine over youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'm still trying to get my uh, myself in gear and trying to get some new content up there, but um, uh, you can check out some old stuff if you would like. Uh, and in terms of new stuff, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, so you can find that over at jluniverse.podomatic.com where we are currently talking about Wonder Woman and Justice League. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Same thing on Instagram. Uh, I'm also a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast uh, where I know a lot about time travel, um, <laughs> clearly. Uh, so you should check that out. Even if you, I mean, you d- you should watch the show because it has been delightful. But if you don't, uh, Rebecca doesn't. She enjoys the podcast. I mean, on a personal level, I can speak to the fact that you don't, it's not required to watch the show. You can still get by with just listening to the podcast. That's that's sufficient. In fact, Rebecca sent us a very thorough, uh, well-researched <laughs> uh, email this week <laughs> about about the show she doesn't watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't let some of the Elvis Presley disrespect go unchallenged. Yes. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I don't watch the show, but I know who Elvis Presley is and I know who the Beatles are. So uh, there's that. So enjoy that email. Make sure you watch all the videos I linked and read all the articles I linked. We're just going to turn this week's episode into a deep dive on music history. <laughs> what, the pe- what the people come to our podcast for, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to listening, even though I don't watch the show. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. So thanks for joining us as we read through Supergirl Rebirth. <laughs>